Welcome to Coach House Talks. Amen. What a passage, right? We all know it. Um, Proverbs 2.20. So follow the steps of the good and stay on the paths of the righteous. Now today I'm going to be talking about paths and journeys. As we all know, we're all on one. There is one thing, though, that we can all be sure of. God is always at work. When you're at some crossroads in your life, when you're forced to face the trials and tribulations, when you're at the point of not knowing what to do, you can always trust in the fact that God knows everything. Every one of us is going to go through a valley experience in our lives. In fact, these experiences are just a part of life. Every time we go through them, we tend to wonder why God allows us to go through them. In Psalm 23, as Andy's just read, David is speaking of a deep, dark valley where there seems to be no ray of light and you feel like you're not going to make it. But valleys are not dead-end streets. And the disappointments, frustrations, discouragements and dilemmas of life, although they are valleys, shouldn't be classed as a disaster. But I wanted to put it to you that the the valley is the only route to our own personal promised land. There is no alternate route. Interesting, right? When the Egyptians chased the Israelites to the Red Sea, there was no way for them to go around it. But God made a way for them to cross. When we journey through the valley, we must always keep in mind that God will make a way. We must always keep in mind that his grace, his leading and his mercy will never fail. His way may not always be the same as the one we would have imagined. In other words, he may do the opposite of what we expect him to do. And sometimes we started trying to tell the Lord exactly how we want him to help us and ignore the fact that he just knows what to do. When we are journeying through the valley, we sometimes tend to question God's timing. And I tell you this because I'm guilty of it myself. I don't know how often I've sat there and I've gone, Lord, why won't you help me? All done that, right? Lord, why? Why? But in those moments, I was overlooking the fact that all I have to do is trust him and stop holding on to the thought, or better yet, fear, that God will wait too long to do something. David here in the psalm, the writer of this beautiful psalm, takes it a personal view of just what God means to him. He does something that we should do in respect of God and who he is. David says this, the Lord is my shepherd. Now he's not debating whether or not he was someone else's shepherd. When it came to his relationship with God, it was a personal endeavor. The Lord is my shepherd. Now, most of you know that Becca and I managed to get away for a very few days at the end of July, traveling all the way to Devon to stay in a lovely working farm that I'd been to as a kid. Becca really loves this picture. Honestly, it's a fit. No, she really doesn't. Um, And as part of the holiday, we did some coastal path walks. This is us out on, I can't even remember what that place was called. And those who have ever done a coastal path walk, you'll know it's not always easy going. We set off from Morinstow, 
if that's how you say it, and walked heading towards our destination of Bude. The path at first was gentle. It was gorgeous. Along a few rolling green hills, past the odd sheep, dodging the cow paths. It was lovely. The sun was out. I was walking with my beautiful wife. It was good. As we looked into the distance, we could just about see our destination. Nothing looked too daunting. A nice stroll was in order. But how things were going to change. As we turned a corner, we hit a part of the journey where the path went suddenly downwards. As it worked its way along the cliff edge and then it plunged into a valley. What happened as we walked down the path? Well, we lost the sight of our destination and we also started to find ourselves in the shadow of the cliff edge. We kept going, following foot, our hands holding one another for support. We finally got to the bottom of the steep cliff and found ourselves firmly in the valley. We could then see what felt like an impossible trek to hike up the other side, which was near vertical, to get to our destination and also to carry on our journey. Now, this wasn't easy. We were still in the shadow of this big cliff, a lot of huffing and puffing, hand-holding hand, pulling, pushing one another up the path, you know, like this. Go on, you can make it. We knew our destination would be worth it, but the only way to get to it was to purposefully carry on, no matter what it felt like. The uphill climb was tough, but after some effort, we managed to creep out the valley, basking once again in the sun's light, seeing the view of the sea, feeling the gentle breeze of the wind that cooled us and that gave us some peace and the air that our lungs desperately needed to breathe. We carried on, enjoying the view, the journey and the path. Then, as we came close to the GCHQ site, we'd lost the path. It now wasn't clear which way to go, which path to take. As we looked at it, it was hard to distinguish the path. It seemed to be totally disguised with bushes, thorns, weeds, all stood in the way. But as we looked, we could just see the path through the undergrowth. Even though we were on the mountaintop and all of the view was spectacular, we still needed to ensure we walked on the correct path to ensure we didn't get stuck in the sharp, nasty bits of the overgrown bushes. And they were nasty. Now, as a shepherd, I'm sure David knew where the right paths were. David's duty as a shepherd meant he had to face the lion and the bear to protect his father's sheep. And I guess he reasoned that God was his protector. Just like David had placed his life between the beast and the sheep, Jesus places his life between Satan and us. So now David also journeyed through the valley, but he didn't make the valley his permanent home. And I believe that David's trust in God showed him that the valley was just a temporary place. Don't want to live there, do we? The question is, where do you do most of your living? Do you live on a mountaintop or do you live in the valley? Now, I'm speaking metaphorically, of course. That's what David is doing here in the, in the psalm also. Although the valley he talks about is the valley of the shadow of death. It's actually a physical location. and Here it is. It's also another name for the road between Jerusalem and Jericho. And it's also the road where the Good Samaritan helped the man along the way. It's a winding road that's very steep and shepherds have to take their flocks to it, to their fields. And people would hide in caves and steal lambs so that they could eat. So David is writing with this very much in mind when he's writing this psalm. But back to the question, 
Where do you do most of your living? This is a question only you and God himself can answer. Is it on a mountaintop or is it in the valley? Now when the Bible speaks of mountaintops, the mountain is normally considered a place of revelation and awe. To have a mountaintop experience means you've received some insight and some inspiration. It doesn't necessarily mean that you're happy because all your bills are paid or that you have very little worries. Because if that were true, then there would be a lot of unbelievers also on the mountaintop. The mountaintop for Christians, however, is where we meet God, where we hear a rhema word. Now, this is a Greek word spelled R-H-E-M-A. And what this means is God's word spoken to you. That's the word rhema. And we can also see at that point the mountaintop. We all love being on a mountaintop, don't we? A place where we can feel God's presence, a place where we can clearly hear God's voice and we're able to follow his leading because it's clear to us. But the valley can be very, very different. You see, the valley is where we're going to do our struggling. The average Christian experiences both the mountaintop and the valley. Life is filled, of course, with ups and downs. The truth is, if you're like me, most of the time, you might feel like you live your life in the valley. The valley is very different than the mountaintop. The valley is where life becomes challenging. The valley where many battles are fought and where feelings are hurt and attitudes are developed. It's the place in life where we struggle every day with fears and hopes and painful circumstances. These times are inevitable for us because we find ourselves there for various reasons. It could be spiritual warfare or the actions of someone else or because of our own actions or our own thoughts, or even due to the hand of God himself, we will find ourselves in the valley. In the mountaintop is where we come to meet God, but the valley is where God comes to meet us. Say that again. In the mountaintop is where we come to meet God, but the valley is where God comes to meet us. God will meet you in the valley. As we struggle during our time in the valley, David reassures you and I that we can make it through. Just remember that after every mountaintop experience, there is a valley you're either going to be going into, coming out of, or in the midst of. That's why there's a picture of a roller coaster. Jesus makes this very clear to us when he's speaking in John 16. Here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart, because I have overcome the world. Hallelujah. We will have many trials and sorrows. There will be people who misunderstand us. They will criticize us, talk rubbish about us, and judge us unfairly when we're in the valley. Again, the bad news is that we will have to go through the valley. It's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. All you have to do is count the sunsets and you will experience some valleys because they are a normal part of life. You can't plan them, you can't time them, and you can't schedule them. And of course, they usually come at the worst possible time, don't they? I think we, always, we, all, we can all feel that. They usually come when you don't have time, when you're unprepared, and you feel as if you don't have the resources to deal with these things. Valleys are like that. They just happen. And they can just come upon you all of a sudden without a warning. It doesn't matter how good you've been, how careful you've been. Life is such that these old valleys will just come. And the thing is, they're impartial. 
they're not selective. They come to the rich and the poor, the men, the women, the old, the young, the in-betweens. No one is exempt from the valley. David, in, his, in this classic psalm, is telling us something by utilizing the word through. It appears that he's saying that anything you walk or go through has a beginning and an end. He realized that while, in the, while we're in the valley, through our faith, God would meet us there. Something else. Don't take up residence in the valley. At this little house all the way down there, if you can see it. God will meet us there as long as we don't decide for ourselves to take up residence in the valley. Some people have been down so long, they simply can't get up. Some people are in there so long that they decide to stay there. They give up and they stop praying. Their faith is challenged. Their hope is gone. They are like the Israelites who ask the question, how can we sing songs of Zion in such a strange land? But if only they were like the three Hebrew boys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who were willing to go through the fiery furnace. These boys didn't camp there. They said with a great assurance that through the fire, the flame, and the smoke, the Lord will be with us. Go ahead and put us in, if you will, because it's only a temporary place. Now that's some faith. (laughs) When it comes to the valley, some people just want to give up. If only they, we, were like Moses at the Red Sea or Daniel in the lion's den. If we had a chance to ask them, then I'm sure they would say, well, Egypt was just temporary because, you know, God opened up the Red Sea just in time. And the lion's den was temporary because God momentarily sewed up the jaws of the lions in the den. I know we all have trouble times. Some of us right now are in those times. Sometimes we can't help but run into some very low places. But you can rest assured that God does not intend for us to stay there. The journey with God is not a boring journey. It's not one of mere acknowledgement that, oh, God is God. But it's a journey that tests us and grows us all along the way. This is why it's so important that we are a people who see ourselves as his. His people, a people set apart for him. Now, something else. Valleys are sometimes a gift from God. No one will ever go through life and at the end boast that I made it through without any scars. Believe it or not, but sometimes we can view the valley as a gift from God because anything that brings us to him and to his ways is actually a gift. Now, I remember hearing about a dear friend who admittedly lived an extremely sinful life of alcohol, drugs, and sex with women other than his wife. He told me that his life was incomplete until he was involved in a serious car accident. Prior to this, his life was miserable and headed for sure disaster. His car was a write-off, but there was not one scratch on his body. He said that he took it as a warning that he was headed down the wrong direction in life. For sure, No one wants to experience an accident of this nature. Becca was in one a few years ago, and we praise God for his protection on her. This is Becca's car. She walked out of that. Not a single scratch happened to her that day, 70 miles an hour. But this particular accident to my other friend opened up his eyes. And as the years pass by, the same man now is a fantastic tool for God, going around preaching and teaching all over the place. He lived a wild life in the valley, but received a gift from God whilst he was there. 
So even though we go through these times, they are temporary. They actually do have a purpose. In 1 Peter 1, 6, we read this. I know how great this makes you feel, even though you have to put up with every kind of aggravation in the meantime. Pure gold put in the fire comes out of it proved pure. Genuine faith put through this suffering comes out proved genuine. When Jesus wraps this all up, it's your faith, not your gold, that God will have on display as evidence of his victory. In other words, even though it's necessary that we walk through the valleys of life for a little while, we need to come to the clear understanding that these valleys are only a test. We are being tested as fire tests and purifies gold. And here's the kicker. Your faith is much more precious to God than gold. That is why it's so important for you and for me to maintain our faith just like David did whilst we're in the valleys. Now, there's a great question in the Bible. Luke 18, 8 says this, but when the Son of Man returns, how many will he find on the earth who have faith? Be assured that God has a reason for allowing us to go through the valley. He doesn't cause them because God is a good God, of course. And he cannot cause evil, but he does allow them. Now, you might be thinking, what? God allows us to be in the valley? Well, let me tell you, he definitely does. You know why? Because God allowed his only begotten son to go through the wilderness and be tempted by the devil. Just think about it. It might not have looked like a valley as he hung high on a tree on a hill, but it was the lowest valley we will ever be told about. Jesus Christ himself was not exempt from suffering. He was not spared from loneliness and he was not immune from temptation or discouragement or anything else that we ourselves have to face. He experienced loss, loss of uh, John the Baptist, just like any one of us. He was misunderstood, just as we are misunderstood and normally by the people we really love. And he was persecuted and greatly criticised. And Jesus, by going through the same things we go through, enables us to be like him because we have been given this shining example of how to get through the valleys of life. This is why David says, the Lord is my shepherd, meaning I have everything I need, meaning that the Lord is with me through my life and beyond. He makes me lie down in green pastures. Well, what does it mean when, they say, when it says makes us lie down in green pastures? In my mind's eye, I think of this. Mattress of soft green grass, cold shade under some tree, no noisy street traffic or worry from dangers or problems, little cool breeze. Oh, we're thinking about that now, aren't we? Oh, yeah, that'd be lovely, right? Exactly. It's peaceful rest. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. That means he gives me new strength and he, and he guides me along the right direction in which to go. The first three verses of this psalm indicates to us that so far everything is going well for David. Let's look at it again. He leads me, he renews my strength, he guides me. But he changes a little bit in the fourth because he says even when, he's not saying if, but when, I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will not be afraid for you are with me. So what is, what is this actually saying? Well, no matter where I go, no matter what I have to go through, God is with me. 
And if God is with me, I actually have no need to be afraid. In the valley or on the mountaintop, no matter where it may be, we have, presence, we have his presence in our pain, his love in our loss, and his patience despite our complaints. Through hardship, he may strip us of pride, renew our passion for him, refine our character, and purify our motives. David said, even though I walked through the valley of the shadow of death, but the original language actually says valley of shadows, meaning it is only a valley full of shadows. And the point being, what can a shadow possibly do to us? It's just a shadow. Should we be afraid of a shadow? A shadow is just an illusion. A shadow can't hurt us, but it can make us hurt ourselves. A shadow is caused by an object blocking light, and sometimes a shadow can make things look gloomy and dark. But a shadow can be removed by simply stepping around the thing that creates the shadow to fix our eyes on the light. Jesus is the light of life. He is the good shepherd. And a good shepherd does not lead his sheep into a deep, dark valley and just leave them there. He does not watch over us from outside of the valley. He's not sitting on the top either. But what are the valleys in your life? might be thinking of some right now. Have you any rivers that you seem uncrossable? Have you a situation that seems as if you'll never make it through? This is the important bit. We must pray about it and then decide to wait on the Lord. And then all of a sudden, we'll begin to see the end of the valley. I'll tell you right now, there is a blessing at the end of the valley. Just like the walk Becker and I found ourselves on, at the end of that coastal walk, our blessing was there. A pub lunch and a chair. <laughs> but all jokes aside, it's God himself who walks with us through life's trials to deliver us from all evil and fear. Yes, the valley is where we do our struggling. Yes, is where we have to cry sometimes. And yes, the valley is inevitable throughout our lives. But God comforts us with the assurance that even earthly death will never separate our souls from dwelling in his holy presence forever in heaven. So this is why Paul declared that our release from evil is by the atoning sacrifice of Christ in Galatians 1.4 when he says this, Jesus gave his life to our sins, for our sins just as God our Father planned in order to rescue us from this evil world in which we live. We must fear no evil, for he is with us. We shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And I don't know about you, but in the midst of all my struggles and the fact that the valley is only a temporary place, it's worth shouting about because it's our reassurance that troubles don't last forever. Amen. Thanks for listening. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram and at www.coachhousechurch.org.